Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. We say hello and welcome to your Tuesday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Julian McKenzie with you for the next hour or so. Our pal, my pal from Sweden. Mike Russo is going to drop by. I will ask him, Julian, mm-hmm. the ABBA Museum question. Yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. Okay? Yes. We'll ask him about the ABBA Museum, if he would have gone with me and had a date night at the ABBA Museum. We had a lot of fun. Uh, a great conversation coming up, too, with, with Russo and, and Chris Johnson about kind of some league-wide stuff. But we teased this Who's at that? the end of the... Who was that? that guy you said was supposed to be on with, with Mike Russo? What's his CJ name? CJ something... Never heard of him. I don't know who that is. Chris Johnston. (laughs) CJ, (laughs) our guy. He's a great guy. And uh, we're looking forward to that conversation. Uh, You know, we talked about this at the tail end of the show on Monday. That the NHL has zero, count them, zero games on the schedule for Tuesday night. And here's what we didn't know at the time. And I'll give full credit to uh, Jeff Merrick. Who Does Jeff Merrick also host a podcast? Maybe. What are what are these podcasts you keep mentioning? I, I have no idea what these things know. are. He does. no idea he hosts, what these he, are. He does. He hosts a podcast. Good for him. I'm, I'm sure his podcast is. Look, he could use all the help he could get with that, that show. Guy. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. But but Merrick uh, put out earlier today that there's no NHL games on Tuesday night. Part partly because there's only three buildings in the league that have availability, meaning the arenas are booked everywhere else. The only places that could have hosted an NHL game on Tuesday, are Vancouver, Calgary, and Arizona. And Arizona has got a game, I think, on Wednesday at home anyway, so they didn't want to do the back-to-back thing. But still, there's only three buildings available. I still think that means you could have had at least two games, maybe three tonight, right? Calgary, Vancouver is one. What about Arizona then? Yeah, whatever. Like, I I mean, yeah, you have some road team going in. You're absolutely right. That's fair. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Well, here's I, the thing, I, though. I, yeah. Here's the thing, though. Like, you're like, I, I get it. It's a quiet night. You probably want some NHL games in. At the same time, I hear how you sound on the mic right now. You're just getting out of a cold. I am. I'm just getting out of a cold. There's a whole bunch of journalists who were in Sweden just, you know, you find a couple of days ago. So, is this not like, is this not like a welcome break for some of us? Especially with some flu bug going around, like I'm kind of cool with the Tuesday night off. 
I don't know about you. I okay. I could use the I could use the night off. Okay, fair. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Look at that. Like both of us are coughing. See, I literally during, just during coughed and I had to mute myself. Like, like I I feel for fans who may very well okay. want to see their team play, but I'm cool with the Tuesday night off. But you know what would have been cool is last week when they had the Hall of Fame night. That's a night where you should have no games. Fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you. Anyway, give fans something to do tonight. Now, now fans don't have anything to do. Tonight would have been a great night for the Hall of Fame because all the attention would have been on the Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah, you watch the ceremonies, you watch all the. I mean, they get to rekindle their their memories about their about players they enjoyed watching, like Henrik Lundqvist or Tom Barrasso or Pierre Trajan or insert other name here. I, I can see the logic in that. But I mean, hey, it's not like there's nothing for them to do. Maybe they could spend time with their families. Maybe they could start a new show on, on Netflix or, binge or Apple new, TV. Yeah. You could binge something new. You could cook. I don't know. It's okay. It's all right to take a night off and just relax and just shut your brain off for a moment. I got you. You can even go on Twitter and see like people fighting each other. I don't know. There's oh, some yeah. source of entertainment that's out there. Um, yeah. There's people fighting on Twitter all the time. That's some true. of them are media members and referees. We're gonna have some fun with that uh when, when Mike Russo joins us uh here in a couple of minutes. But it's a uh again, quiet night. And and so again, this week in the NHL, you got no games on Tuesday. No games on Thursday, and then no games yes. on Thursday. To some extent, makes sense because it's American Thanksgiving. You have a triple header of NFL games, and that usually dominates the schedule. I get that. We talked about it on Monday. I'll hammer it home again. Why not have Canadian games on American Thanksgiving? It's It seems too easy. Uh, too easy. But something else we've chatted about. Now we've got the details on this best-on-best best tournament. And I think we, we need to talk about this here. Sure. So the way it looks like it's going to play out for a, and this looks like it'll happen in season in the 2024-2025 year, which is next, not this current season in the NHL, but the following one, they'll take roughly a week to 10 days off, and there will be a four-team tournament. It's going to be Canada and the United States in one bracket, Finland and Sweden in the other. They'll play each other, and then one plays two on either side. What do you think of this? And then, and then eventually there'll be a winner. So you could have Canada, U.S. in the in the quote unquote gold medal game. You could have Finland, Sweden in the quote unquote gold medal game. Only four countries. You're not going to see Leon Draisaitl. You're not going to see Timmy Stutzla, Mort Sider, Anse Kopitar. You know, pick pick a player, uh, Pasternak, whatever. You're not going to see some of the best players on the planet. In this tournament, obviously, I want more. I mean, yeah, so how, is this a good enough stopgap for you? If it's just a one off, I can live with it, especially if after that we're going to have the World Cup and the Olympics go at it every two years, which I, I, I believe I've said on the show before. I've, I've definitely said it before, but you cannot have the World Cup just be this thing that happens like every eight years and people just wake up one day and remember, oh yeah, it's happening. Like yeah. you need to make it some kind of consistent thing. As for this tournament, I mean, I'll live with it. I mean, if it's if it's the closest we're going to get to seeing 
Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby play against each other, if this is going to be uh, an opportunity for us to see Team USA at its best, Sweden and Finland as well, those games could be interesting too. I guess we're just going to have to live with that up until we get to a point where we could accommodate more teams. I guess the only other thing is, is just, you know, if there's a way to incorporate, I know you don't like Team Europe, but if you incorporate a Team Europe in this concept, and that's how you get the German guys, the Swiss guys, Slovakia, all the rest of, of Europe, and maybe that way you, I, I still think Team North America is a fun idea. Like, what if they did, like, Canada, USA, and then a Team North America, and then you have Team Europe back in it? I mean, six teams, I mean, you'd have to find a way to make it work, but I don't so know. I, I, I don't wait, what's your, what's your team? Game. What's your team North America then? Players that are 23 and under? Yeah, on, so you do yeah. like a similar concept to what, what happened in the World Cup. Boy, I don't, like, but okay, but now I think ahead to February of 2025, you could have a Team Canada if you just, just did it the traditional way, featuring Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard. All of them on the same team. You could. Come on. Like, why Why? Like why aren't we doing this? I mean, I I, I think it could work. And I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'm just saying, like, if, if people are so worried about other countries being left out in all this, then you add a fifth team like a Team Europe. And then your solution after that is to add a sixth team like a Team North America. But if you're just doing four teams, it's fine. I, I can live with it. Again, mostly off the fact that this is just a one-off. And it should be back to normal going forward. I I hate the young guns idea. I do, and I and I, I don't I like the just, Europe idea. I think it's ridiculous that people would hate it as much as they do. It was a fun thing. Arguably, the most memorable thing to have come from that last World Cup was Nathan McKinnon scoring against Team Sweden with all those guys celebrating. Arguably, the most memorable thing that happened from the last World Cup involved a team that people think was a gimmick, and people want nothing to do with it. Like I don't get it. Right. Well, well, no, no. I, I think you know what it is. I, I, think, honestly, I don't understand. I'm not saying no. put it in the Olympics. Like, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I had no problem with it in the World Cup, and I, and now we're discussing the idea of maybe putting it in this random one-off tournament. And like, oh no, we gotta think of the sanctity of all this. Like, I know some people are gonna say that the sanctity like, of the one-off tournament. No, no, yeah, no. The sanctity I, of international competition, best on best. That's too gimmicky. That that's you know, like, like, give yourself a break, man. Like. I, I think it, I mean, not you specifically, the royal you. It's just like, it's like a, it was a fun, cool thing to add to it, a an event that does not happen all the time. And even if they didn't get as far as some people would have liked, I thought it was a fun thing to do. And I'm sure Russo's going to have his, his opinions on this too when we bring it. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't we, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break for just a quick second? And when we yeah, come back, we'll, we'll, we'll bring Mike Russo into the conversation about the World Cup of Hockey. And I'm going to, I'm going to float the idea about the Canada USA idea too, to Russo. We'll yes. see if he likes that. So Mike Russo coming up here on the other side. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky Jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. 
Discover Bank member FDIC. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. A nice looking man reading that ad. Look at that. What a handsome, handsome devil. Speaking of handsome devils, let's bring him in. It's Mike Russo. Yeah, with uh, a great hat, Julian. I'm going to oh. use my Chime checking account to go buy an old uh, NHL Shields hat. I like Yes. Yeah. It's old school. You should. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Mike Russo is uh, with us here on the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. I got I got two questions for you, Mike. First of all, How's the jet lag for you as you're back? This is kind of your first full day back in, in, in Minnesota, right? How's the jet lag for you? Actually, I feel fine. I don't know if it was just going, you know, west to east. As, when I went there, it was bad. But uh, yeah, and I don't even know if I ever caught up. But uh, I actually feel perfectly fine today. I got a normal night's sleep, probably the most sleep I've had in a while, and woke up normal time. So I think it's, uh, I think it's back to normal. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I had an atrocious time sleeping in Stockholm, but it's been yeah. a little bit easier here. Okay, so here's my question for you because I regret, like our week there, it was pretty busy. Like we didn't even really have time to, yeah. to do that much socially as a, as a group. I regret not going to the ABBA, ABBA Museum. And I asked, I said to Julian yesterday, I was like, I should have asked Russo if he would have gone to the ABBA museum with me. So here's my question. I regret if I had said, if I had sent you a note in Stockholm and said, uh, Mike, meet me in the lobby in 20 minutes, ABBA museum, would you have been in or out? I probably actually would have been in, but you would not have gotten me singing on stage and video because apparently there's lots of video running around of Bill Guerin, uh, singing ABBA at the ABBA museum. Uh, I would love to, I'd love to get a hold of that and put that right into an athletic article. Just not like, just like randomly embed it just without any context. Yeah. Uh, that'd be good. I probably would have gone, uh, you know, I would have probably dragged you to a bar afterwards though. Um, yeah, the Royal, the Royal Ian, by the way, uh, that's, I I like, uh, that's how we're going to start describing Ian. The Royal Ian. I like it. I like it. I like that a lot, actually. Oh, man. Um, but it's good to know that at least uh, you're not. To, I mean, of course, you would find a way to beat uh, jet lag. There's, there's nothing that's ever going to keep down Michael Russo. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I got a killer cold, though. Uh, yeah. So hopefully. See? Uh, I had it you see? There's something going around. And, yeah. you want it, and you want games on Tuesday. You want people running themselves I, to the ground, Ian. I think it's because we took the subway, right? Like, we, we took that the subway. That probably is what it is. And yeah. we, we both got a, a, a terrible goal. Okay. Hey, listen, you were, I know you were kind of just in the green room there, eavesdropping on, on Julian and I talking about the World Cup of Hockey and best on best. So tell us, where do you fall in this, uh, in this argument? I don't know. I mean, I, I do think it sucks that other countries are not going to be in it. And until Russia gets its act together, I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to have these international tournaments as a whole um, and, and just eliminate guys, you know, teams like Switzerland and Czech Republic and Slovakia and, Slovenia and Germany and all these all these great countries that are proud hockey countries. I don't like the young stars game and the, the North American idea and all that stuff. I, you know, I get it. I mean, you know, it's a gimmick tournament, so you might as well have gimmick teams. But, but to me, I, I, like if if you can't have that, then I think it just needs to be the four countries. It stinks that all these other teams are out, but that's just 
sort of the way it needs to be. I, I just don't love the idea of, of going back to Team North America and Team Europe and have just the Europe teams be the teams that aren't aren't um, you know represented. And then you wouldn't even have Russia on those team on those, that team probably. So uh, I don't love it. But like Team Europe as a concept, so you just don't like that either. Well, I mean, you know, it's Team Europe, and it, you're just lumping in. The, to your point, though, you would need a sixth team. So, like, how do you do it? You know, uh, some, you know, you're gonna have all the te- you're gonna have the European teams that aren't Swiss and aren't Swedes and Finns on one team, and or Russia. Um, that's if you want to do it that way, that's fine. But then it's not a true, really international tournament if you do it that way. And then you're gonna probably need a sixth team. And then how are you gonna do that sixth team? So. I don't. I don't know. I just. I don't. I don't love this whole idea to begin with. I. I, I would love to see a World Cup back, um, and unfortunately, until uh, until we have uh, some sort of uh, peace uh, between the Russia and Ukraine, I don't think that Russia is going to be in any international tournament anytime soon. You, you know. So here's my idea, Mike. And in fact, I'm going to try and pitch this as an, I'm going to try to write this article this week because it's a fun idea. It's an outside the box concept for best on best. It's Canada, USA. It's a best of seven series, but you alternate the games between the men's and the women's program. I like it. I mean, I want. I would love to see that type of thing uh, yeah. and bring a little bit of a rivalry back. Uh, you know, especially Canada and and, uh, and U.S. women. Um, that always seems to get uh, you know in, intense and heated and and all that good stuff. I do like that idea. Um, but the, I don't know the whole, I hope we never hear about team Europe and team North America and team young stars again. I, I just, I thought it was, you know, I, I didn't like it at the time and I, I certainly wouldn't want it in this, uh, tournament. Okay. What about, what about if we just made the two teams, North America versus Europe, doesn't that solve a problem? You have all the best that you have the best players in North America, Canada, you yeah. have the best players in Europe on one team. You make them play against each other in a seven game series that passes the time. If we're not going to be able to have a proper international tournament with Russia, why not just have the best players from both sides? And I get, and I get it. They, it's been done through the All Star Game format, but why not make it like an actual like thing for a week? Like, why not? And do it's, that it's funny you you even mentioned that. And the first thing I'm thinking about is a uh, crotchety old sports writer is writing the team snub the uh, column. No, like, yeah. I mean, could you imagine the great players that won't be on that team, and even just setting up the lines and all that type of stuff? Uh, it would be it would be fascinating put that putting that team together. That'd be a lot of talent left off that roster, though. Oh yeah, both yeah. rosters. Well, okay. One thing we can guarantee is that Connor McDavid, whether it's Canada or a team North America, McDavid's on uh, on the roster. Want to uh, play a clip involving McDavid? This is from Monday night. We want to just give a little context to our listeners. As the Edmonton Oilers go to Florida, they lose to the Panthers. Uh, in a game which they were up 2-0, right? They were up 2-0 in that game, and it slipped away. Uh, and have a listen. Here is uh, Sportsnet.ca's Mark Spector asking a question to Connor McDavid postgame. Are you better off to try to win this thing 4-1 or try to win it 7-5? You love this question, but um, I've answered it so many times. We're trying to keep the puck out of our net, obviously. Um, that's our main focus, and obviously we haven't done that. Again, for a number of different reasons. Okay, so that question, obviously, you could see McDavid. Oh, you love that question. Uh, Tim Peel seemed to jump in. We, that's another discussion probably for another day uh, with whether or not you should be able to be releasing private <laughs> messages. But uh, what do we think about 
the question to McDavid, McDavid's answer as it continues to be messy at Edmonton, uh, Mike, even after a coaching change. Yeah, it must be something about that visitor's locker room. I, won't, I want someone's going to a brawl with Miko Koivu in that room. Um, <laughs> um, you know, actually, you know, just a, you know, kind of a similar testy exchange. Uh, actually, although I didn't find that very testy there, uh, you know, and I'm, I guarantee you Spectre uh, didn't find it testy with, with Connor as well. I mean, the point of the question is, is simple. I mean, you know, it's unsustainable that we've been talking for years that the Oilers could play these shootout games if they're not going to defend. You can't win. Uh, long-term in this league anymore, winning seven, five games. This isn't the eighties Oilers. So that was the point of the question. And I think it's a fair question. And, um, you know, I don't love the piling on of spec. Uh, there's just something about, I don't know. We've discussed this before. There's just something about that fan base with their, their writers there. It's, I, I just find it absolutely just gross the way that they're, that, that all the writers are, are treated in Edmonton, um, you know, including uh hall of famer, Jim Matheson, um, but Speck is one of the most respected sports writers out there, most respected hockey writers and hockey broadcasters out there. And I think it's very clear and a very fair question of what he's asking. It, it's just, you know, you can't just continue. You know, everybody thought that they r- wrote the ship with three straight wins, two under the new coach. And here they are back to playing the way that they that they were. And it just is proof positive, again, that a leopard can't change its spots. So even as Connor McDavid said at the end of that clip, they can't keep the puck out of the net. They want to keep the puck out of the net. There are myriad reasons why they can't keep the puck out of the net. And until that is solved in Edmonton, it's just going to be a two-man show that continues to not get a lot of success. And so um, I have no problem with the question. I don't like the way that Mark's been treated uh, today. And I, I just, it, it, I think it's really a shame the way that that fan base as a whole talks and writes their, 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 um, their, their writers all the time on Twitter. It's, it's just so gross the things that are said to them, the replies to them on an everyday basis. And this is just another example of this being a completely fair question. You might like not like the way that it was answered, but it just seems to be just glee with the Edmonton uh, fan base there, the way whenever they want to pile on the, on the, um, on reporters there. And as far as uh, private conversations, look, I'm not going to get into that because I, I like Tim and I have a, um, have a good relationship with Tim and all that stuff. But this is that, that is example uh, exhibit a, of why very rarely if a fan writes me for my private opinion that something, unless I'm willing to put it out there publicly in an article or publicly on a tweet, I, I usually just ignore the tweet um, because you just can't trust in today's day and age that uh, what is said uh, in a text message or a direct message or whatever is just going to stay private. And this was uh, this was exhibit A. And uh, if you're a fan that writes me and gets frustrated that I never replied, uh, there you go. That's That's reason number one. Okay. Uh, I'll take that as something well said on on that front. I, I don't know if I like that conversation going out there, but just a no shade to either guy, I guess, but just a really bizarre time. And we see even Frank Cervalli hopping into that too. Just a really bizarre exchange with all of those guys. But uh, I don't I know you don't want to get into that too much. We can just leave it there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, all I could say is again, like like to me, the most important thing is as a sports writer, uh is is just a respect level. Um, with the fans that you're writing to and the respect level amongst your colleagues. And I can tell you that amongst colleagues, um, Mark Spector is the most respected sports writer and hockey writer that I've ever been around. Um, I love his writing. I love his opinions um, uh, because he's a, a very opinionated hockey writer. You're obviously gonna, at times going to disagree with his line of questioning or what he writes or, or a question in a press conference or thing, something like that. But that doesn't mean it doesn't need to be civil. And I don't think there was anything wrong with that question. I think anybody with a brain knows what he was trying to ask. Um, and that is the point right now of what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers is that they are going back to 
uh, what we saw pre-firing, and that's not defending. And that's the point, is that if you want to have sustained success in this league, you got to, you know, unless it's game six against Florida, Vegas just beating the crap out of them. Usually it's going to be uh, tight hockey games, and that's the way you're going to win. Okay. Um, we can move on to uh, Columbus with Patrick Laine, uh, a healthy scratch against the Philadelphia Flyers. One quote that's going around, uh, Aaron Portsline was able to, he, he bigged that up today on his Twitter. Over my career, it's probably the most embarrassing thing that's happened to me. I'm not happy about that. They know that. It is what it is. It's over and done. What do you make of what's going on with Patrick Laine in, in Columbus? You can even lump in Johnny Gaudreau as well, who's not playing well. Mm -hmm. They've lost, I believe, nine games in a row. It is not a good situation with the Blue Jackets. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, look, I, hey, look, I, I get that Patrick Laine uh, doesn't like being made of an example of, um, but this is about the lone hammer that a coach usually has, and that's taking a star out of the lineup, and it doesn't go down lightly. You make a decision like that, it's an organizational decision. I can guarantee you that Pascal Vincent did not sit out Laine without having conversations with John Davidson and Yormo Kekalainen. Um, but uh, on the other hand, I understand that Patrick Laine is not going to be happy about it, and you wouldn't want a player to be happy about it. Um, I am not uh, – I'll be honest, I don't watch Columbus enough uh, to know exactly how he's been playing. Um, plus, as Ian can attest, it's like you know when we were in Sweden, it was like we were disconnected from the rest of the world and didn't even realize the NHL yeah. was still going on, so I didn't watch any of Columbus. Um, but I do think this is this is you know to me the hammer that a coach has is is benching guys during games and uh, and um, you know and and sitting out players and in a, a culture like Columbus, which has been perennial losing hockey, um, at some point you've got to add a culture of accountability there. And if that's the way that Pascal Vincent thinks it needs to be done, um, you know obviously there are reasons for it. And I you know I cover a team in Minnesota where they have some un underachieving stars. I don't think it should ever get to the point that Crow Caprice should be taken out of lineup. The guy's still working his butt off and and um, and and getting scoring chances and things like that. But you know, if I were Dean Evison, you know, there there will come a point where I would have to send maybe a message to a Matt Boldy or somebody like that who's just in a colossal disappointment this year. And um, I, I just think that this is uh, an example, and we're seeing a lot of. We saw Jonathan Huberto a couple of weeks ago, as you know well, Julian uh, benched for part of a game. I mean, this yes. is this is stuff that that um, happens in in the grand scheme of eighty two games. It seems to be happening a lot more lately, and unfortunately, you know, in a salary cap world where where coaches don't have extra players really at their disposal a lot, the only accountability that you sometimes have is sitting a guy during a game, or or in this case, sitting out a uh, lineup. Isn't it remarkable that, you know, fans will sometimes scream, you better bench your star players, make a statement, and yeah. then you do it, and people are like, I can't believe you benched the star player. It's yeah. this it's this weird juxtaposition. By the way, a uh, little hat tip to Aaron Portsline for his work in the last three or four days because I think he's captured the spirit of what's going on in Columbus. His column the other day basically saying, of all the bad seasons Columbus has had, this might be the worst. And that's saying something. And then and Aaron Portsline knows bad hockey. Exactly. <laughs> that guy has covered. I mean, for a while, Aaron and I were like toe to toe and, and it's like losing his hockey writers around. And he has just lapped me by now. Yeah, uh, and I it, mean, I cannot imagine. I mean, you know, that's why I always tell, you know, so the wild and Columbus blue jackets are expansion cousins. Right. And I'm yeah. telling you wild fans that think they have it bad here that all they do is lose in the first round every year. Just imagine being a Blue Jacket fan. That team in 23 years has won literally nothing other than one playoff round uh, that probably was a fluke over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and everybody thought it was going up from there, and it's just you a know, laundry list of coaches and, and players and 
all sorts of stuff. And so uh, uh, if Aaron Portsline is saying this is as bad as it gets, this must be as bad as it gets. Yeah, and 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 Aaron Portsline with a great uh, conversation with John Davidson as well. So that uh, you know with JD and you know you, I think so much of our focus this year, guys, has been on Edmonton and San Jose and kind of you know they, they've both been train wrecks. I think Columbus is right in the mix for the team that might be the biggest uh, biggest trainer. Hey, uh, train wreck! Before we get into your conversation here with Chris, uh, with Chris Johnson, which we're looking forward to, Mike, you you touched on the Minnesota Wild briefly. I'm just wondering if you can give us a sense of where things are at with the Wild right now, given they lost both games in Sweden. There's been a lot of noise around. Hey, they might need to make a change. Something needs to happen. Give us a temperature check in uh, in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, right now. Yeah, it's 33 degrees out right now, but right now inside that organization, it's uh, it's pretty much getting to the boiling point. Um, it's not quite there yet, but it's getting there. I had an exclusive interview before Sunday's game with Bill Bill Guerin, and he divulged to me that he basically ripped the team anew. Actually, he downplayed it. It was the players that really uh, informed uh, Joe Smith and I afterwards uh, that that he ripped the players a new one. Uh, on Monday before they got on that plane for for Sweden, and um, you know it didn't result in two wins in in uh, in Sweden, but I'll tell you what, they definitely played much better in both games against Ottawa and um, and uh, and Toronto. And you know it really is a great example the Ottawa two wins that they had there of how a couple wins can right the ship a bit. You know yeah. if you remember, Ian, we were talking throughout that Ottawa Minnesota game that those were two very tight teams that were scared to make a mistake. It was a jittery game with not a lot of events that happened, and it looked like two teams that were playing for coaches' jobs right there and, and just scared to do anything. And then they win two games, and Michael Anlauer tells you that, that they, he's going to declare four points at the border. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> things can change very quickly if they beat Colorado and Detroit this weekend. Um, but right now, it is, it's testy here. Um, they are, they've lost 11 of 14 games. They're getting points in two in a row. It feels like in those two games, they repaired a lot of the problems that, that were plaguing them. Um, but there's still common thread that they're giving up too many goals, too many power play goals, and not getting great goaltending. And their stars have not been stars. Kaprizov only one even strength goal this year. Boldy only one goal this year. Um, and it's just been a really, really difficult time here. Now, I wouldn't call it a vote of confidence that Bill Guerin gave Dean Evison to me, but he certainly made it uh, seem that this is that he gets Dean's up issues right now. One, he's coaching with a team that has a $14.7 million dead money. So that's a lot of talent that's not on his roster comparative to other teams. But the other thing is that he says that he cannot go out and execute for these players. And uh, But the obligation inside this organization is that they're still good enough to make the playoffs. So if this continues, if they are going to get embarrassed on home ice uh, continually, if they don't win some games here in the next week or two, this could come ahead, come to a head uh, with with Dean Evison being in trouble, but right now I don't sense that that it's an imminent thing. But imminent could change uh, very quickly with a couple more losses. So they are under pressure here. We're at U.S. Thanksgiving. They're very close to the seller of the NHL, uh, but they're also only four or five points out of the playoff spot. So they've got to start winning games here. This team in uh, in the past has always seemed to figure it out, but right now um, there's no signs of that happening. And a lot of it is just because they're giving up way, way, way too many goals on a nightly basis. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, um, as always, when you join us on Tuesdays, you come bearing gifts and that is a conversation, uh, with somebody in the hockey community. Sometimes it's a general manager. Sometimes it's a president. Sometimes it's a colleague. Chris Johnston is, uh, is the, 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 the 
person you chatted with this week. So set this up for us, Mike. Where, where, where do you guys go in this conversation here that we're about to hear? Yeah, we start off, I believe, talking about the wild and a little bit of what we uh, say. Now, I'll be honest, before we did that interview, I was really sensing that, that Dean could be in a lot of trouble. That that definitely changed in the last uh, couple days. Um, but as I said, his his seat is 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 definitely uh, getting to that boiling point. Um, we talk a lot about the Oilers. We talk about the three-on-three decision that the <laughs> NHL GMs made about maybe uh, booting this to March and, and having sort of an over-the-back, uh, you know, backcourt violation type thing. I don't know how you would... Um, you would, uh, you know, essentially uh, get the referees to call that or what the penalty would be if you go over the back. But I'm actually for it. You know, after watching the Wilds two overtimes in in uh, Stockholm, I'll tell you what, man, they had three or four retrievals that were just hard to watch, them just passing back over the red line. So I actually think it is becoming um, too, too much of a strategy in the NHL. So we talk about that. We talk a lot about the Canucks and how they seem to be for real as well. So uh, that's the conversation with Chris Johnston, and I'll try to get you somebody for next week as well. Yeah, listen, we're looking forward to this as always. Hey, listen, hope you feel better because like uh, Julian's battling uh, cold and flu. I think I am too. So we uh, we hope that you feel better, get some rest here and, and we'll get you again next Tuesday. Yep, see you guys. Take care. All right, there he goes, Mike Russo. And I uh, hope our listeners enjoy this uh, conversation between two of the best in the business. It's Mike Russo and Chris Johnston. Good to be joined by my colleague, Chris Johnston of TSN and thankfully now the athletic uh, Chris and uh I was in Toronto the day that we, uh, the day before we hired you, and I, uh, you know, I like to pride myself on being a good reporter. And when I got the uh, the scoop the day before, I was absolutely shocked. It was kept a pretty good secret. Super excited that you're with us now. Yeah, that was one of those weird ones for me where they didn't want me to say anything to anyone. <laughs> like I saw you at the morning skate, and then like three hours later, I was told by one of our hires up, and I'm like, uh, man, does he have a good poker face? No, it was just. I didn't want to screw it up at that point. Yeah. So I'm, I'm obviously happy to, to be with you, to be with Joe Smith, everyone at the athletic, um, man, that's, it's been a crazy couple of weeks and I guess that's, that's hockey, right? Even the season starts and now all these things we would have thought in September are not true in November. Yeah. And one of those things actually is the team that I cover my day job, the Minnesota wild. And, uh, uh, Chris and I are in Sweden at the global series game. It's the final day of the global series games, fourth of uh, four games. Uh, the wild lost last night in a shootout two one to the Ottawa senators. They play the Toronto Maple Leafs today. It's gonna be a very tough game. That, that puck drop is 18 hours after, uh, after the game's conclusion last night. And, um, Jay Woodcroft was just fired and, uh, there's going to be a second one eventually. And right now, probably Dean Evison's on the hottest seat in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, just your thoughts on this wild team, because, man, have they underachieved? They have. And, and you know, I don't know if we're at, something has to give territory totally, but it feels like if we're not there, we're just one step removed from that point. I mean, you know, the wild losing the games that they did, you know, before coming over here to Sweden. Mm -hmm. You know, this can be a blessing and a curse this trip. I mean, we're, we're both here. Full disclosure, having fun. It's nice to be in another city, but. When you're one of the teams that comes here, I mean, you play two games in a 12-day period. Uh, the rest of the league moves on while you're flying over here, getting adjusted to the time zones. You only play the two games. And, and the, frankly, the, the league moves on. You know, other teams are getting points. And so I think when you're winning, we'll, we'll talk about all the bonding the teams did and how much fun <laughs> they had when you're losing, which you know Minnesota's been uh, both before the trip and now in the first game they played here in Sweden. I, I think that it actually ramps up the pressure a little bit. And, you know, you, you wonder about Dean Evison. It wasn't so long ago he was getting an extension. But, I mean, the nature of his job, you know, the, the Wild, like many teams in the league, are in a precarious cap position. There's not a lot 
you can do to shake up the roster, and then you, you start looking elsewhere for change. Yeah, especially when Bill Guerin extended 330-somethings right before the season. Those were three potential trade trips said on your uh, insider trading board later this season that are no longer going to be there in Felino, Zuccarello, and uh, Ryan Hartman. So really, he's got like one bullet left in the chamber. Um, you know, one of the problems, and you, you saw them last night, CJ, is that Matt Boldy is a complete non-factor right now. Kirill Kaprizov having a very underwhelming season, one shot. And that came with like 10 seconds left in overtime in the in the game on uh, on Saturday night. Um, and they, they I don't know if you felt this way yesterday, but they look like a frightened team on the ice. They look like when they took that one nothing lead that it was like, we are going to try to ride this to the finish line, not make any mistakes. We saw both desperate teams in overtime almost scared to do anything. Right. And look, the, the players get everything we're talking about isn't news to them. Yeah. Right. I mean, they. We hope they're listening to the pod, but they don't need to listen to the pod. They, they've understood what's going on. And you sign the guys you did. It, it, it's a good memory for me, like when you're connecting those those signings. That's a team that this year is expecting to make the playoffs. It's, it's trying mm-hmm. to build off of last year. I mean, obviously, there, there are some difficulties with the cap situation for Minnesota. They're not, they can't be a player in everything they'd like to be because of, you know, some dead money on their cap. But, you know, this was a season where it was supposed to be a step forward and, and, it's sliding so much in the wrong direction now. I mean, Kyo Kaprizov with one shot, yeah, not a good sign. I mean, this is, I mean, for him, this is this is almost a home game, right? That you want him yeah. coming over here. I know he's not a Swede, but you know, and 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 feeling good about it, and and you know, this is where I mean, like these trips are hilarious because it can be so good for the teams when everything's all right. And nothing feels right right now with the yeah. Wild. And to your point, I mean, his his mom, dad, brother were at the game yesterday, but it's not just him. I mean, Eric Sinek, his grandparents saw him play for the first time yesterday. He didn't have a shot on goal. Joe Hansen, underwhelming game. Um, you know, it's a shame that Gustafson didn't win. But uh, let's move on to the rest of the league. We just talked about the Edmonton Oilers. They lost their first game under uh, under their new head coach uh, yesterday, um, Chris Knobloch. Um, but, you know, before that one, three in a row, two in a row under him. Um, starting to look more and more like the team uh, that that we expected, but still, you know, not a not. They've got a lot of work to do as well, and it's not just the fact that you know that people feel that maybe Drysdale and, and uh, McDavid need to produce more. I mean, they've got issues on their back end, and, and still a lot of a long ways to go if they're going to get themselves, uh, uh, you know, their ship righted. But th- there's definitely time. There's time, but that's why they made the change when they did, right? right? I mean. This is one of those weird ones. Like you, you got the feeling Connor McDavid's public comments afterwards, like he didn't want the coach fired. Like it, it was one of those ones. I think it, it management and ownership were so desperate for that team to, to try to turn things around. And they just, they couldn't wait anymore. And at least that's how they felt. It, it's, it's gone well this week, other than the loss in Tampa that they had on, on Saturday night. Um, but you know, it's, it's a team that, that has to make the playoffs. I mean, you, you look at, their year from 10,000 feet, Leon Dreisaitl needs an extension on July 1st. And whether, like, I don't know whether that's going to happen. This isn't reporting this, but it's like everything has to go into giving all the success you can have before that, because it's, it's going to be a huge turning point one way or the other, no matter what they pay them, if they have to everything but trading, like, I don't know where it's going to go, but it, it, I think that that gives us the window and the heat that they're under. And by starting the year two, nine and one, Yes, they win three in a row from that point on. So they get to five, nine, one, then they lose in Tampa. But like, <laughs> like that's, that's, you, you don't, the math isn't good. It doesn't mean you can't do it. We saw the same Blues Blues of 2019 win a cup from last place in January. It started January. So it, it can be done, but you have to play really good hockey. And so the margin of error for them is so small. And, you know, now they're out on the road in, in the Eastern time zones. You know, they got to get wins out there. And, and so 
they're going to be that the crazy part of the season is you're 15, not even 20 games in. But for them, every game is going to feel a little bit must win internally, I think, until at least they get back above 500, they get into sort of a playoff positioning because they still are. They're still looking up at almost most of the league. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although, you know, I mean, the, the good news is that Seattle seems to have come back to earth. Calgary's off to a disappointing start, but the one really surprising team in the Pacific is the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you know, Hughes and Miller World and beers. Pedersen. Yeah, they're having huge games, uh, huge seasons. Uh, Brock Besser um, tied for the league lead in goals. Uh, a coach right now that seems to have wrapped his finger around that room and and is is pulling all the right levers. Um, are the Canucks for real? I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, I know you want an answer there. I here's the thing: when they been sort of down the last couple seasons i kept looking at the roster and going like okay it's not a perfect roster any team even the best teams in the league you can usually pick apart maybe aspects of how they're built just a cap world and all those things but they, they they so underachieved in my eyes in light of the talent you're talking about i mean they had a top center in Pedersen. they have a top defenseman in quinn hughes in the right age range like and they're not making too much money or anything like that you know, Thatcher Demko is a great goaltender and and they have other players. Like if you go, if you get into the JT Millers and Bessers and, and, you know, Connor Gart, like they had, they had guys, like it was confusing to me why they were so poor um, in prior seasons. And now that they're, I almost feel like it's almost a little too good to be true. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, it's not that I don't think they're for real, but I, it just seems I'm, I'm not predicting them to like win the president's trophy or anything like that. And so I wonder if there's somewhere in the middle, but, like it still feels like they're a defenseman or two away. Yes. And and look, that's an area where I know Patrick Alvin has really been aggressive in trying to get his handle on the defensive market to see if a move can be made. I mean, as we know, most trades aren't happening at this point of the year. We saw two mm -hmm. the wild made, but um, you know, not not a lot happening in that regard. But I think a lot of the cards start getting lined up. And, you know, Alvin's in there with the the Calgary situation where they have three pending UFA defensemen, you know, Nikita Zadorov, chief among them. You know, I, I think he's he's checked on Columbus. You know, they have Andrew Peak, um, maybe Bulkfist that they would move. So, you know, Vancouver has has been out there trying to make that happen, but you know, it might take some time. And I'm sure if you're in the GMC, you're just hoping team keeps winning a bit before you you make the roster you know, the, the best it can be in your eyes. Yep. You mentioned Calgary. I mean, you know, they're probably where the Wild would like to be now with the flexibility. You know, they left their UFAs uh, unsigned, and now. They have levers to pull, and there's probably less pressure on them because of that. Where now the Wilder have put themselves in a committed spot for their their pending UFAs. When when do you think that Calgary is going to start to really look at you know Lindholm and Zadaroff and Hannafin and some of these players? Well, internally, I think they've already made the decision that that's where they're going. Mm -hmm. So that's you know that's the first step of this. Is 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 they've stopped. First talking. step is acceptance. Well, yeah, you're, you're accepting there's a problem. You're no longer talking, you know, yeah. Noah Hannafin and the Flames had an eight-year deal, maybe not done, but like close close enough to the finish line that people like me hear about it. Right. And and it didn't get done. And now both sides, I think, step back like, whoa, okay, that may be a good thing we both didn't do this because, right. you know, the big thing for Noah Hannafin isn't just, you know, maximizing what he can earn. I mean, that's important, but he wants to play on a team that has a chance to win the Cup. And I think Calgary is maybe now taking that step back because they're going to move all these guys. I don't know that they're in a rush though, to make those trades in the moment because they're one of the few teams that are truly out there. I think with attractive pieces that we all know are going to be traded sometime before March 8th. So every team in the league that has a need can go like 100%. 
these four guys are probably being traded and maybe a couple more down their roster. Um, I can't say that everywhere else. I mean, there's some sort of, you know, the, the Sharks, we know, are not making the playoffs, but there's this not as much on their roster. There are some right. veteran pieces. Like, they do have some things to move, but we're not talking about, like, a six-foot-five defenseman like Zadora. We're not talking about, you know, Elias Lindholm at his best on a good team. I think he's still the second-line center in a lot of places. You know, there's not there's not a lot of that in my eyes yet, and, and I'm actually just formulating uh, our, our first trade board here for the athletics, so I'm, this is maybe top of mind for me, but there's... In, an, in other places, there are definitely players who will be traded, but nobody has the kind of pieces that Calgary's going to be able to move. And so in, in some ways, I think they can be market makers. Mm-hmm. And I and certainly internally, I don't get the sense they feel they need to make these trades by December 10th or, you know, it's we're, we're coming up here on Thanksgiving weekend in the U.S., which is when a lot of teams, for whatever reason, this has become this hockey thing that, that I think is true. Look at their team and start to really be critical or, or think. Um, strongly about what they want to do. I think Calgary can be like, all right, you're all look, you're all looking around. You you need these pieces. Start bidding on them, and it's going to take a few months. Mm-hmm. One of the feel good stories here in uh, Toronto, uh, here in in Stockholm, uh, while we've been here, has been uh, Toronto's uh, William Nylander, 16 straight points, 16 straight games with a point, heading into tonight's game uh, with the uh, Minnesota Wild. I'll bet like career he gets to 17. Um, <laughs> the this uh, might be dated. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he does it in front of his family the other day. It was just so cool watching him in the stands, uh, you know, taking pictures with everybody. And I mean, it was just it was pretty neat to see um, his future is obviously top of the mind for a lot of people uh, in, in Canada, especially in Toronto right now. What do you hear with him? This is so quiet. It's eerie. Yeah. I mean, th- these are two sides that have endeavored to really keep things uh, tight lipped. And, and so quite honestly, I'm not getting much like blow by blow. You know, they called on Friday and asked and offered this. Um, and, and I, I said at some point, probably a month ago, 90%, I was saying this will get done mm-hmm. because the one thing I've learned, Mike, is that when you have two sides who, who so badly want the same outcome, it usually happens. And that's, that is true of William Neal. Like he loves playing in Toronto, not just in you know, for a good clip for the microphones. I think it it really is a place he feels comfortable. I think that they've loved him since day one. Um, I wonder if there's a little bit of regret that they didn't make a harder push to sign him in the summer. There was certainly talks in Nashville at the draft. And I think they they saw the number at that time that Nylander's camp was talking about and got a little sticker shock about how that looked. And then, you know, focus on the other business of the summer. And, And now the fact that he's played this well, to me, that's almost like, I mean, it's great for him. It's it's good for the team in the short term, but it makes me wonder: does that change the dynamic, bigger picture? Because, you know, I think that if he, you know, if he wants ten million or above, so he's justifying it now, right? It's not a crazy ask in June when you can, you know, you and I can go into a negotiation. I can say I want anything, um, and the team goes, okay, yeah, good, good on you. Well, now I mean, he's right among the scoring leaders in the league as we're recording this. He's got a point in every game, and it's it's a little more than that to me. Actually, I've I've watched this guy play for eight years now in Toronto. At times, has been he's one of those players you love, but like he disappeared. Like you've always had a yeah, but with him, there's been no yeah, but this year. Yeah. Like he's been on it. I mean, the reason they won the first game in Stockholm is is literally him. Like he he makes the entire play on a night they're making no have no offense going. He makes the entire play that sets up the first goal. He scores Pertuzzi. the second goal to tie it, and then and then gets a secondary assist on the third goal. I mean. He he's their driver right now on a team right. where you have guys like Matthews. He's going to start a thirteen point two five million dollar contract. 
you know, Mitch Marner's making a little shy of 11 million now, but is, is up for a new deal in a year's time. You've got Tavares who's an $11 million player. I mean, if you're him, I think you're just looking around the locker room going, okay, so this guy makes this, this guy makes yep. this, this guy's make like, why am I not making that? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that works because it already really hasn't worked in Toronto. Right. I mean, I don't, it's funny how things go. Like you talk with these guys and you say, well, okay, the team doesn't succeed because they have these players. I don't think that's true. The team doesn't succeed because they don't have money to spend down the roster to have the right pieces around them. I don't think that the players themselves are necessarily flawed. It's maybe the strategy is a bit flawed. And and so how do you get more top heavy? This is my rhetorical question to the world. And if you're William Nylander, are you in any rush? Like, are you feeling any amount of pressure? I mean, this guy is, I've never seen someone more in his element. Honestly, like the, not just these past five days in Sweden where really he's been the focal point of the Leafs. That never happens, right? The focal mm-hmm. point of the Leafs is Austin Matthews since the day William Nylander basically walked in the league. Well, here it's like all of a sudden there's a new alpha in town. And it might only last two weeks, but I think the confidence he has, the way he's playing, and, you know, he's a dad who played in the league a long time. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think he's going to make a bad business decision for him, and the best business decision for him might be waiting this out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we talked about the the uh, you know the Oilers being one of the most surprised teams on the bottom, maybe even Minnesota, Canuckle heads uh, right at the top, and most surprised teams uh, doing well. Who who is your most surprised team? Like you know, it's easy to say like Anaheim and you know like Washington, uh, but one team like I think we all always discount the Boston Bruins at our own peril, right? I mean, we all look at them like a couple of years ago. Ah, Char is gone, all that they're gonna come back to earth. You know, when Marshan and McAvoy were hurt, they're going to come back to earth. They didn't. And now they lose Bergeron, they lose Krejci, and here they are at 13-1-2. and two. That, for me, is a surprise, but maybe it shouldn't be. But anybody like like that uh, really just jumping out to you right now is just, man, this is, I'd never expected this. Every team talks about culture, but, like, nobody lives it like the Bruins. Yeah. Right? Everybody wants to, like, set that standard internally, and I get it. They, they have nice slogans on the wall or on their shirts in training camp. But the Bruins have created something that nobody else, in my view, and it's funny because they've obviously won one Stanley Cup kind of in this era, and it's all the way back in 2011. They've been to the final twice since then. They got to game seven of the final the year St. Louis won. So, I mean, they've been knocking at success's door for a long time. But, it, you know, they don't have they don't have Tampa's maybe swagger or, or you know, they're down a banner in the, in the rafters from these last 15 years. But to lose the players they've lost and just not miss a beat, I, that's... You're right. Like we should know better at maybe, but I thought they were going to be crappy last year. I thought it was yeah. going to be a step back. And then they, they have an all time regular season. And I know they lost in round one, but look at that's, that's a bad two weeks after a great seven months. Yeah. And you know, and it was still game seven. Like it was like things happen in this game. Right. It's, it's bouncing puck on ice. Like it's rubber yeah. on ice. Like shit happens. I don't know if I can say that. No, you can. But it's the athletic. I love it. That's why you so, came to us. But I still, like, come on. You lose your top two centers at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at their lineup. It's full of guys. And I say this with respect, but nobody would be picking that team on paper to, yep. to do anything. And, and they're not just doing something like they're turnstiling the league again. So, I, I mean, are they going to win the cup? I'm not sure. But I, I, would, I still have to call that a surprise because you're right. On any given night, we might grab the standings, like take a picture and be like, oh, wow, Washington's in. Yeah. That's, that, that, you know, that would surprise me if the Capitals made the playoffs. But I just think it's a moment in time. Whereas I think something everlasting about the Bruins where they can just lose players, but they, they have actually built something that matters there. You know, I think back, they signed Mitchell Miller. Uh, I think last year they were 10 and 0 the day they'd signed him. There's an availability. They just happened to be in Toronto. And so I was there. 
and their players called out management yeah. in scrub. Like I had never seen this like publicly, like their players one after one after one came out and called out management. I'm like, that's, that is actually true accountability. Again, all those words that are buzzwords that every team uses, but I don't sure exist. Totally. Agree. If you, if you, if you work for a team where you can call out management and management reverses course, like they are doing something right there. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think that they'll be an active team before the deadline to, to try to bolster their group. Cause again, on paper, I still don't see them as a cup favorite, but tip of the cap a month into the season to be this good. Yeah. Montgomery is a heck of a coach and it seems like Bergeron's culture lives on there. Final question. Uh, GM's meetings just happened in Toronto after the hall of fame and the big thing that came out of there. It's like, sometimes the GMs get bored and try to change the game. And this one's like, Hey, uh, let's, uh, Instead of extending three on three to 10 minutes, let's get like almost like talk about a backcourt violation that we see in basketball. Um, I didn't think this was a big deal until I watched the wild Ottawa game yesterday and watched the wild three times throw pucks back <laughs> in their own end. They, both teams didn't even have a shot until the minute left in the, in the overtime. Um, it feels like in March when we're both at the GM's meetings in Manalpan, Florida, this is actually something that is going to be on the table to be recommended to the, uh, to the players, uh, to the competition committee. Yeah. I mean, I've learned there's not a lot of accidents. So if that comes up as a topic in November, it's probably going to be a, a theme in March. It still feels a little bit like a solution in need of a problem to me. Like I'm, I'm with you. I watch a lot of these games. I, you know, we're both out there traveling the league. Like I have, you know, I've seen some bad overtimes, but I've seen a lot of great ones too. Like, it, you know, but this, this is, I'll say this. I, I think the NHL, it's nice to hear them almost throwing crazy ideas out there or like right. different ideas. Like I do think at times it's easy to just get comfortable in what you have and, and why not? I've always wondered, like, why not sit around with the smartest people in the game and talk? Could we remove a blue line? Could we like, I don't, I don't sit here saying I know what they should do, but I, I think that they should have those conversations. I just, to me, like, how do you enforce it? Like that, yeah. it just feels a little bit, it, it's, it's a major, it's, it's one of those things. It's a minor change when we talk about it. Yeah. I think it's a major change in, in like how the referees are, are watching on the ice. And I like three on three overtime. Yeah. But again, just one person's opinion. It is, a, it is a genius thing. Like I remember the, when three on three first came in and we never saw that. And now, like, I remember the first time we saw it, like when all of a sudden a player threw it back to their goalie, like, actually, that is freaking genius. Yeah. Had a full line change and all that. And, but now it is, it's almost like an epidemic. It is the play of overtime because you don't want to give up the puck. I mean, the big thing in overtime is if you have the puck, you were most likely going to figure out a way at a minimum, get to a shootout. And, um, and th- this to me, like the constant throwing back over the red line, I think is an issue. Right. But, you're trying, you're, you're trying to force giveaways, essentially you're yeah. trying to force possession changes because w- there's good enough players in the league three on three, even like team when teams are making line changes that, Sometimes the team does control like mm-hmm. a good portion of overtime. Uh, and, you know, to be fair to the hockey operations department, they're in those rooms watching the games every night more than I am. Mm-hmm. They don't miss a thing. This For this to become a public talking point, obviously they, they've seen enough of a, they, they feel a trend has gone too far in the wrong direction. So, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they word this, what it looks like. And yeah, I can't imagine it be a penalty. I think it would just probably be a whistle on a change of possession. Or, or is it? That's what I wonder. Is yeah. it like a, maybe the scoreboard goes like, and you got to like <laughs> flip the puck down the ice of the team? Like, does it look like, you know, yeah. something basically what you have in a rec league or in, in like maybe? I don't know. Cause he, it's probably not a face off. 
Yeah. So this is this is where what was interesting is Pierre Lebrun's story in the Athletic. Uh, one of the people that was kind of outspoken about it was Bill Guerin, that's saying it's a joke, and then the, his team did it three times yesterday. So, <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. Well, you oh. can plan in Bill's shoes, but you you don't control the chessboard once the game gets yeah, going, right? Exactly. You just got to watch it. Like the rest yeah. of us. Well, CJ, uh, really appreciated. Uh, really happy to join you. I hope everybody's uh, liked our our uh, coverage here in in Stockholm. We had seven athletic writers here. Crazy. Uh, to cover the the global series, um, and uh, as always, you just did a masterful job. So uh, thanks a lot, CJ. It's Chris Johnston, reporter Chris on uh, Twitter, and back to you, Julian and Ian. There we go. Our guy uh, Mike Russo, as always, just an absolute pro. Great conversation there. I love the ending too, where they're talking about three on three overtime. Julian, Ottawa Minnesota's overtime was atrocious. <laughs> on Saturday, they went four minutes without a shot on goal. That's in terrible. overtime. Four minutes. That's terrible. It is terrible. Here's what I love, and I love. By the way, I'm I'm all in on Chris Johnston. Uh, his scoreboard noises. That was good. When he's like, <laughs> I'm in. I'm here for that. Here's what I'd like to see because you know how they're talking about uh, general managers meeting in March. Maybe they'll have a little more clarity on this. Yeah, I always think this is a great idea. When you have games at the end of the season, March and into April, in which teams of both the teams playing have been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, allow them to play the games with these rules in place so we can see how it plays itself out, right? So let's say at the end of the year, there's a game between Columbus and San Jose and the March, and it goes to overtime. Well, then play with the new rules and let, let's see what this looks like, right? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't well, that be a reason to tune in to Columbus San Jose at the end of March? I mean, that's a, an idea, I guess. The one thing I would just say is, and I mean, maybe it's not the right way of thinking. What if these teams are looking at those games as ways to adjust for their draft standing, if you get what I mean? And the rules impact that in a way. That's that's as best as I could totally. Think no, that's that a, not it's really a fair matter. point. It's a fair point, but. But like, I like the idea of, um, uh, how, like, how would you do a change of possession? Let's say, like, I'm just going to use Columbus again and San Jose as the example. He's going to pick up these two teams. These these poor guys, sharks and jackets. Uh, imagine they're playing a game in overtime, and one of the te- let's say Columbus takes it back over their own red line. Like like CJ and and Russo say, you you can't do a face off. So how would you do a change of possession? We just say, okay, you got to flip the puck back to San Jose and they get it. Or like, like how would that, how would that even look? Yeah. I, I, it's one of those things I need to see. I, I like the shot clock idea personally, where you just like, you're, you only have a certain amount of time to get a shot off. And if you don't get a shot I off, you, know, maybe the you, shot have clock. A, you have a face off, maybe in the neutral zone. I, I think just any, any opportunity where you're encouraging shots to happen. Uh, is going to be better. The next question I would also have after that with a shot clock is, you know, does it have to be on net? Does it can it just be the act of you shooting? And even if it goes wide of the well, you know what? You know what? It probably would have to just be on net. Like even it would have you, like, to be on net. Wide. Yeah, if it misses wide, like that's still bad. Like even in basketball, like you have stuff like that. You have a, the rules are set in place where you essentially have to get it at least on on rim. And um, but, and you yeah. have to yell Corsi. While you're done, <laughs> yes, Gorsi. yes, absolutely. Great callback. Great yeah. callback. 
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. I'll tell you what, let's, let's wrap up this Tuesday edition of the athletic hockey show by giving a little bit of a shout out to Luke Prokop, who, mm-hmm. uh, on the weekend or late last week became the first openly gay player to play as high as the American hockey league. And if you didn't get a chance to read the story, Joe Smith went down to, uh, spend some time with him in Georgia just before he got called up. So great piece. Joe ended up just to give some the listeners a little bit of a backstory here, because I I had I did have a chance to have uh, dinner and uh, and drinks with Joe one night in in Stockholm, and he kind of had done the interview with Luke, and uh, he you know he was sitting there thinking okay I'll I'll get to this feature at some point end of November early December, and he had the interview had it all transcribed I think and then all of a sudden he got the call up and the editors are like you know what we need that story ASAP. So full credit, Joe Smith, while he was in Stockholm, put that story together and did a wonderful job telling uh, Luke's story. Uh, it's a it's it's a it's an inspirational story as this young man mm-hmm. tries to na- navigate a path, Julian, that nobody has uh, has uh, has traveled yet before at this level this, of hockey. I I think at this point the fact that he's he's willing to let his story be told is very brave. Uh, we are unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you view it still at a point where these firsts have to happen and as much as we see them as great stories for people who are under the spotlight there is a lot of pressure there is a lot of attention that comes with that and for a player like luke to uh, be in this position where they could they could do that i heard that story uh where i think austin matthews had reached out to them yeah and and said you know hey like i look forward to playing against you one day like that is really cool to hear one of the premier players in the league show support in that way. And it's awesome for, for Luke to put himself in that position where he is willing to be forthcoming with his story. And, and he's essentially going to be establishing these first. And if he ends up being the first openly gay NHL player playing an NHL game, like that's going to, I mean, that's going to be a big deal when that eventually happens. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he deserves all the stick taps in the world for this. And, and, you know, in Joe's story, like you said, he had that, that little anecdote that Austin Matthews reached out to him with that very encouraging, 
a text message and uh, that he also got a text message. And this was kind of known before, but that, that Elton John had reached out to him. Now here's my question. Like, let's say you get a text and it's like, Hey Julian, Elton John here. Just wanted to say big fan of the podcast. Love your flames coverage. Um, wouldn't you be like, okay, I'm getting yeah. right. Like how, like, yeah. I guess the Bam. question is, why would Elton verify... John care about my flames coverage? Like, like, no, no, what? Like, no, no. Like, how would you know that it's like legit Elton John? Like, I have no idea. Like you, I, I like, you have to look at the number. You'd have to look at, I don't know. Like even the number, I'm like, you look at the number. What? Like, it's gonna have. I, mean, a, I don't like know. A like I, 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 like you have to look at as much of the message as you can to to feel to know you're not getting duped because like. Yeah, but Elton wouldn't you be John? super suspicious if Elton yeah. John texted yeah. you out of the blue? That's what I'm saying. Like, like, and that's why I had said. Like, but how hey, do you verify El- it? That's what I'm trying to wonder. I'm like, you, I'm <laughs> trying to figure out. Like, do you look at the number? Do you look at the way the text is written? Do you? I mean, it, you know what's funny is like it's one thing for Austin Matthews to text you. And you don't know who that is. Right. If you're in the yeah. hockey circles, there are ways to go about verifying. Hey, yeah. is this Austin's number? Is he is it like is this is this really him? Who do you know in hockey circles might know someone who knows Elton John? Maybe Russo, because he's he's arguably Russo's pretty well connected. He's arguably the most connected person in the league. But like I can't think of anyone else in the NHL who I would go up to and be like. Hey, can you verify for me if this is Elton John's number? I have no idea how you go about that. I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Maybe the listeners. That's still awesome. They could get a number. You could get a. You could get a text from Elton John, Sir Elton John, mind you, Sir Elton John. And then, and then, what happens? You get the number. Now, do you just you store that in your phone? Right, you right away. You're putting that in your contact. You show. You put that in your phone, and but then you can't ever text him unprompted. Now, can you? I mean, you could at least, I mean, maybe not unprompted, but like the window is when you get that text. Yeah. You you have 15 minutes and then that's it. Oh my God. Like, I'll tell you what, if that happened to me for the next like year, every bar, dinner party, hangout, I'm going to my friends. I'm like, I got this text from Elton John. Like you might, I might frame the text. Like you print out. Like you print out the text, you blow it up, and you frame it. You put it on your wall, and you show people, "Hey, Elton John decided to text little old me one day." That happened. Hey, Julian, love your Flames coverage. Sincerely, Elton John. Loved your Flames mailbag, Julian. Oh Nailed my God! It. If he if, like, I I would just write to him. Hey, send the question. Send the question next time. Don't don't be shy. You see, like Elton J in the comments. Yeah, Elton J. Elton John would immediately be the most famous subscriber in athletic history. You know, speaking of famous, uh, and we'll wrap it up here. Uh, and I know this was a little bit before your time, but the actor Jason Priestley, yes, uh, from nine hundred two one zero fame. I had a chance to chat with him at uh, an event in Sweden for the Borja Salming documentary. And I yelled at him, hey, Jason, do you got a second? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And, come. and I introduced myself. And uh, and I say, I'm with The Athletic. He's like, oh, The Athletic. It's like, I read you guys all the time. Hey. Noted subscriber, Jason Priestley. 
Let's go. We need to okay. We need to put together a list of the most famous. I think people. McConaughey was, is a subscriber, isn't he? That's pretty bold. Academy Award winning Matthew yeah. McConaughey. That's 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 pretty good. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Ryan Reynolds is too. I think mm, he is. Yeah. Shout out Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know who else on the list of celebs. Uh, John Hamm, right? Uh, uh Madman John Ham? No. Wow, John Ham is. Yeah, I think so. I think he's wow. a. I think he's an athletic confirmed athletic subscriber. Okay. All right. Okay. We need to go through that list. And now's the time to push this to the celebrities because you know the celebrities. It's tough for them, but this is the dollar a dollar a month promo, right? Oh yeah. Black so Friday. We're looking at you, uh, Ryan Gosling. Like this is your time to get in on this. Right subscribe now. uh and you could athletic.com slash hockey show hockey show exactly a dollar a you month for that. 12 months telling you man now's the time to do it uh pretty good early uh christmas present if you get what i'm saying yeah there we go you're waiting for that special something in uh, someone in your life share it with them whatever dollar a month for 12 month uh 12 months when you visit the athletic.com slash hockey show that does it for the tuesday edition of the show i'd love to tell you that julian you and i will be back tomorrow to kind of sink our teeth into all the action that happened on tuesday but we won't be no no but, action tomorrow no action no however today sorry yeah no action on tuesday but uh as always it's a wednesday so sean McIndoe down goes brown is going to uh, drop by always a fun conversation uh with him we'll we'll have no shortage of topics with him and then the Red Hot LA Kings, the surprising Anaheim Ducks. Eric Stevens going to drop by, chat some California hockey with us. That should be fun. That's uh, going to be dope. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So that's coming up on Wednesday. That does it for Tuesday. Enjoy the night off. As Julian said, go spend time with your friends and family. What else did he say? Cook? Yeah, cook. Um, just hang out. Just get some rest if you are under the weather uh or just getting out of being under the of, uh, under the weather uh yeah man just take advantage of a tuesday night where nothing is happening at all and yeah be back here tomorrow when we talk about the fact that uh, there was nothing going on in the nhl unless something crazy happens and then all of a sudden that becomes the topic because you know News never really sleeps. Because, you know, NHL. All right. Have a great night. Julian and I will hit you up again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 